Psalmist 92. Jacob's going to stay at the piano for, uh, well, for the service. He's been, he's done got his workout uh, already. We've done this one time, and I'll be honest with you, uh, that's the benefit of having two services that I get to be a part of, is I got to do it again. And uh, man, get to sing these songs over and get to see and experience worship together. Psalms 92, verse number 1, gives us in this Hebrew songbook that was written for these Jews in exile as they a lot of these psalms were written as they sung together and of course David uh, Moses wrote some of the psalms David wrote some of the psalms and of course these are poetic books of the Bible and you can lump uh, of course uh, Song of Solomon in there and different ones in some of these uh, in some of these uh, books of the Bible but but psalms was written for us to sing and to praise and even to pray it's a it's a song or a book of worship and i don't think there's any chapter in psalms there's a lot of chapters in psalms that speaks of praising the lord there's really not a chapter in the bible uh, that i've read that spoke to me personally about worship like psalms 92 did i love the first verse if you'll read it with me the bible says it is a good thing to give thanks unto the lord and to sing Praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon the instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery and upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in in the works of thine hands. O Lord, how great are thy works! And thy thoughts are very deep. What a a great chapter because often when we worship, there are times when it's very difficult to worship. Times where you go through seasons of of maybe death. Maybe that, as Psalms 23 tells us, we go through the the valley of the shadow of death and we go through there and we all face that. Or maybe it's a time of disease. Maybe disease has come in your body. Or maybe it's your family. Or maybe it's your marriage. Or maybe it's your children. Or maybe it's a job situation. Or maybe it's just a thing that has happened. As I woke up this morning, I thought about the churches that were affected in Florida by this hurricane and many churches flooded and roofs torn off and and, uh, no power. And often it's time uh, when that happens, it's the time that that happens, it's hard to worship in a place when things are just all over and destroyed. But the psalmist gives us three reasons why we should worship. And he tells us in the very first verse that it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. It's a good thing. The first thing I want to give you this morning on spirit-filled worship is this. It is a good thing to give thanks and praise to the Lord because of who He is and what He's done. See, we use the word good a lot. We say that's a good restaurant to eat at or boy I married a good wife or I've married a good husband or we raised some good children or I've got a good career or I've got a good job and we've used that word quite a bit to where it's in our everyday vernacular and our vocabulary and we can just throw it around because whatever's good that's what we're going to use it for. 
But he did not say it is great to give thanks to the Lord. There's a reason that he actually used the word good instead of the word great. Because this goodness is not referring to a good wife or a good husband or even a good church. This goodness is referring to righteousness. It is righteous to give thanks and praise to the Lord. It goes beyond just a good thing. It then becomes an even greater thing because it is righteous. And righteous is holy. And so it is a good thing to give thanks and praise to the Lord because sometimes in this verse when we read it, good just does not seem a strong enough word to describe our thankfulness to the Lord. Let me give you some reasons why it's a good thing. Number one, it's good to give thanks and praise to the Lord because He rightly deserves our praise. It says it in verse 1, it's a good thing to give thanks and, and unto the Lord and sing praises unto Thy name, O Most High. He rightly deserves the adoration and the praise that we give Him. God is a covenant-keeping God. He's a covenant-keeping Lord and He even is used seven times in this Psalms for the seventh day. It's referred to the Most High, which translate Elohim or Elohim, a name frequently attributed to God. In Psalms 97 verse 9, it says, For you are the Lord Most High. Exactly like verse number 1 of Psalms 92. You're, you're exalted above the heavens. You are the Most High. You're above any other God. So here's my question to you this morning as we worship the Lord. Is He Most High to you? What is the Most High in your life? Somebody, you know, you've got a God. You say, oh, pastor, I've God, He's the most. And it's what you give the most praise to, the most attention to, the most love to, whatever that is in your life, that is your most high. You could be your children. I'm not saying bad things. I mean, all these things that I'm, I'm mentioning, they're good things. Your children and your wife and your husband and your, your job. And we all need jobs to, to, to eat and to survive. But, but listen, a lot of times your focus and your adoration and your most high in your life has went to your career or even your children or whatever it is and it has robbed God of His preeminence. The psalmist says in Psalms 92 verse 1, O Most High. It's good to give thanks and praise to the Lord because He rightly deserves it. Hey, number two, it's good to give thanks and praise to the Lord at all times. Look at verse 2. The Bible says this, To show forth thy loving kindness when? In the morning. And when? Every night. Thy loving kindness and... Faithfulness. You know what loving kindness means? It's a covenant kindness. It's a covenant love. It's one that as we sung Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. My chains are gone. I'm free. It's unending love. You know what unending love is? He cannot stop loving us. So it's a loving kindness, not based on my love or based on your love, because there is a possibility that I could stop loving you. 
that you could do something to me, you could do something to my family, and you could say something, and I could say, you know what, I like you, but I don't love you. Get out of here, you know what I mean? We all got people, we, you know, thank God we're not God, right? Oh, you're dead, you know. I'm tired of you, you know. Poof, you're gone. But God is not like that. Listen, God is a covenant-keeping God who loves us despite us. He loves us when we don't love Him. He loved us before we ever loved Him. And it is a loving kindness. And guess what else the Bible says in verse 2? He is a faithful God. His faithfulness. So when should I praise the Lord? I should praise Him in the morning. That's what it says in verse 2. I should praise Him at night. So it sounds like to me you're supposed to praise Him every day. You wake up in the morning, do we turn Fox and Friends on first thing and see what the hurricane's doing, seeing what the uh, Biden's doing, seeing what the gas prices are doing, seeing what this is doing? No, no, no. That'll rob you of your joy and praise. You're going to hear something that you don't like. You're going to hear something that's going to bring you down. Guess what we do? We turn to Psalms 92. And we lift our voices to God and say, despite what this world does, despite what the things around me does, I am going to love and worship you. Every morning, every night. Yeah, but you don't know what the doctor said. Yeah, but you don't know what my enemy has said. Yeah, but you don't know what somebody said. It doesn't matter what they've said. It matters what God has said. We should show forth, that word show forth of that phrase, it means to declare thy loving kindness in the morning. To declare the faithfulness of God at night. Are you declaring these things to your family? Hey dads, look at me real quick. I know it's not Father's Day, but I'm going to address you. Your kids will only worship as much as you do. Some of you sit there like a knot on a log. We have to check your pulse to see if you're alive. You just, nothing, and let let me just say this, and I've got to be careful how I phrase this, but let me say this, if something does not bubble up in you when we sing about our God, I have to be concerned about your salvation. Dad, listen, if you cheered more for Clemson sneaking by last night than you did for our service this morning, that was a little shade thrown towards Clemson, right? Because we all be in mourning if if they lost. Let me just say this, if you cheer more at a ball game that really next year, next week, won't even matter, then you do at church. If you get more excited about hearing that your favorite athlete did this and did this and this happened, listen, we say that and sometimes you'll roll your eyes and say, oh, he brother, he's just saying, no, no, no. We declare it in the morning and we declare it at night that he is most high. That He is loving and that He is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, He's loving even though we're not loving. And He is Lord even if we don't make Him Lord at all. He tells us that we should. Verse 3, it tells us here, upon instruments. He tells us, verses 1 and verse 4 mentions singing. But He says, instruments of ten strings and upon the psaltery and upon the harp and with a solemn sound. Can I just say this? Not everybody can play an instrument. But if you can, you should play it for Jesus. How dare we learn to play and only use it for secular reasons when we have a church that could benefit from the gift that God has given you. Hey, when we get to heaven, it's going to be 
a joyous orchestra of all instruments making joyful melody, making joyful noise unto the Lord for the rest of eternity. Some of the old preachers of the past, Spurgeon and different ones, though I love these men and, and read their things, a lot of them did not believe that instruments had any place in the congregational singing. Now, they didn't have any Bible for that. There was a preference. I believe it was one preacher. I, I can't remember exactly what preacher it was, but he said, I believe it was uh, James Boyce, a commentator. He said this, these men were simply expressing a preference, but not a biblical mandate. Aren't you glad we have instruments in church? The Psalms 150 pulls out all stops and commands praises. And all through the Psalms, we, we see of instruments. I'm not sure where they got their logic, but... There's a time to be pious and there's probably a time to just sing out without an instrument. I'm sure there's times. But it says to give praise with instruments and with voice. Verses 1 and 4 tells us to sing. And listen, church, I watch some of you as we worship. Some of you struggle singing. And, and I realize maybe you're not familiar with a certain song. And so you struggle singing. But some of you just don't sing. And I wonder about that. God's people are a singing people. Don't just, I can't sing. I've heard myself. You ever heard me? I can't sing at all. Listen, he said, make a joyful noise. I've heard a lot of unjoyful noises in my life. But I'll tell you something beautiful in the ears of our Savior is to hear a child of God sing at the very best or the, at her very best, sing out of a heart of love and a heart of worship. Don't give me that I can't sing. Don't give me, well, I'm just embarrassed of what people will think. No, no, no. It doesn't sound like the psalmist here is embarrassed because it says this, it is a good to give thanks and praise because His great works as He has made. Look at verses 4 and 5. For Thou, Lord, hath, hast made me, let's say it together, one, two, three, glad. You've made me glad through Thy work. Bubbling up with joy is what that means. Content. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works. And thy thoughts are very deep. How many of you have ever tried to understand the mind of God before? You've ever tried to understand His ways? I have. God would allow something in. I don't understand why God would allow people in our church to suffer. Cancer, death. I've preached a lot of terrible things. Matter of fact, I didn't share this in the earlier service, but when I first took this church, there was a young lady that got saved here, I believe it was. I baptized her brother. She committed suicide in the parking lot at Chick-fil-A one two days before Christmas. She was a veteran. She had PTSD. Sweet, beautiful girl, 30s, mid-30s. She, she had her dog in the car and she just, it was tragic. It was terrible. I got the call that night. I'd been pastor here for about eight months. I preached her funeral. I struggled with what I dealt with through that. I'd never preached a suicide before. I'd never preached, because I mean, we were, this girl was coming to our church. She was faithful to our church. We were connecting with her. Brother Linwood went and visited. Brother Will went and visited her. And we were, we were seeing progress. And there was something in her life that she just could not deal with and she ended her life. And I struggled. I really did. But let me tell you what got me through it. As I went to the Psalms and I started reading the Psalms and my emotions came back 
My thoughts went to the right place. My heart was in the right place. Oh, it took a while. You don't just read them and automatically. No, but I went back there. Why? Because there is healing. There is nurture. There is, there is peace. There is joy. And by the way, some of you that battle depression, and that's a real thing. Depression is real. Emotions are real. Hey, look at verse 5 or verse 4. For thou, Lord, hath made me glad. You know what will make you glad? Dwelling on Him instead of your problems. We all have problems. We all have circumstances. We all face some type of depressing something. I mean, if you live in America today and you just happen to walk by TV, it's depressing. Some of you have went through emotional things that is depressing. Some of you have uh, even medically things. Listen, you want to dwell on something that is good? Dwell on this. He will make us glad. And then he says in verse 6, that a brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. A brutish man, what's that mean? It means an ignorant man. An ignorant man doesn't understand what this is about. The world doesn't understand why we come in here and wipe tears from our eyes and lift our hands to the Lord. They don't understand that. They don't understand that we're singing about a man who we've never seen before. It's called faith. They don't understand the peace that passeth all understanding. Let me just say, verse 7 says, When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. You say, Pastor, how in the world can God allow these government officials to wreck this nation and evil just rampant through the streets and everybody, man, they're, they're stealing this and they're taking this and they're lying about this. You're right. They are right now. But their end is coming. Oh, he ain't forgot about them. God's going to deal with them. But guess what? You can still be victorious. Although your enemies raise up against you. That's what it says. They're going to flourish. But guess what? Verse 8. But thou, Lord, art most high forever. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered but mine horn shall thou be exalt, shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn, and I shall be anointed with fresh oil, fresh grace for every day. The Lord's going to raise us up. He's going to defeat the enemy. He's going to give us that grace that we need. Because the Lord is good. And He's worthy of our praise. And we can read verse 1, and we can give thanks because He is a faithful and loving God. Let's sing about that this morning. Elise, you and Heather, if y'all come help me real quick. Let's sing this together. You can stand, you can pray, and come to the altar. But let's worship the Lord. I love you, Lord, and I lift your voice. Let's sing this together. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Sing it together All my life you have been faithful Yes, He has all my life you have 
you know about the faithfulness of the Lord. In all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And all my life you have been All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Sing this with us, think about His goodness Cause all my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Oh, I will right there, Jacob, continue to play. I've got just a couple more verses. It says this, Mine horn, in verse 10, shall exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. Notice, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. These evergreens, these beautiful trees, cedars and palms. But notice what he says about them. They're going to grow. Those that be planted, in verse 13, in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You'll plant, you'll grow rather, 
in the courts of the Lord, in His praise. Right here is a good place. There's good ground right here. But notice what else He says in verse 4. And they shall steal. They shall steal. I love this verse. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Let me give you some wisdom. Our church is a young church. But it would do us well to get around some of the cedars and palms of our church and to stand and sit in the shadow and watch them worship and glean from them. As a young preacher, some of you look at me and you're like, young? Well, I'm young. My beard's 55, I'm 43. Now, it's my 20th year of ministry, so I'm not young in that sense. But but there's people in here that are wise, much wiser than I, and have been saved longer and have seen more things. And I've gleaned, I've stood in the shadow of that cedar and worshipped. And I've watched them endure some affliction and I've seen how they've responded. Church, let me say this. You young couples, it'd be good if you found an older couple who were still planted and growing and just watch them. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Watch how they worship. Watch how they praise. Because then it says this, they shall be fat and flourishing. It's biblical to be fat. That's what it said. Did you read that? They shall be fat and flourishing. All you people trying to be skinny, that's not biblical. Verse 15, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in You know what causes me to worship and we'll sing one more. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Look at this with me. You're standing and remain standing, but grab your Bible. John 1, 1. And and look at this and read with me just a few verses. This causes me to worship every time. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. The life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light, of the light, that all men through Him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. These next three or four verses, John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This is He of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His fullness have all we received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which in, is in the bosom of the Father. They're united. He hath declared Him. 
What are we doing here today? We are declaring Jesus Christ. What are we to do out there? We are to declare Jesus Christ. We are to sing praises to His name. I can't think of a hymn that better says this than this hymn that we're about to sing. Let's sing this together. My Savior's love, put it up there for us. I stand amazed. Sing it with us. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the about yourself as we sing it together. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. And my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love.
God's people say, if you leave here today feeling crummy, then I don't know what to do for you. Because listen, our love and our adoration and our praise has been pointed to one person. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We worship Him today.